Call Steve Witherup. Calling Steve Witherup. Mobile. Hey. Hey, dude. What are you doing? I am sitting in my guest bedroom slash uh, podcast studio. No. <laughs> Zeke, that's what Zeke calls it. He calls it Daddy's Podcast Room. Yeah, well, he knows what's up. Are you in your mobile office? I am, yep. <laughs> At any point during this, you could get interrupted by uh, an inspector. So if we... If we break or we come back talking in a very different tone of voice, that's that's the reason. That's the culprit. What what are you what are you building today? It's just in. Uh, we gutted the interior of a house and are redoing it. I still have thought with great joy, probably ten times since it happened about me driving by the job site the other day and just seeing you and not knowing that you were even going to be in the city. Yeah. And I told you, I, I don't know why it makes me laugh so hard to see legitimate double takes, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was driving by. I was like, that guy looks a lot like Steve. That is Steve. You know, uh, I wonder if do the, do the 10 listeners of this, even know what I do. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's what I, that's one of the reasons I asked what you were building today. Cause I don't know that people really actually know what you do. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, what's hilarious is on, uh, right on cue, here comes a uh, building inspector. So is it really? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, call me back when you're done. All right. All right. Hey man. Hey, did you pass your inspection? I did actually. Yeah, that was a uh, plumbing inspection that we had to pass. When we did the uh, Center City build-out for the new building on the West End, yeah, I cannot believe how intense inspectors are and how nitpicky and stuff. So a past inspection, does it feel like a big deal every time it happens? You know, it's weird. I've, oh, man, what's that movie? No Country for Old Men. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, what's the character's name? I, I have no idea. But do you know who I mean? The when he comes in and flips the coin and yes, 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 yes. That's always what I picture when an inspector pulls up and starts walking <laughs> towards the house. So how are you spending Advent? It's it's really weird to not have the kind of uh, the built-in stuff that is always there with church because we're not, we're not like, a um, obviously Zeke's four. So he, maybe this year would be a year that he's ready for that. But, um, based on how he is, I can tell you, he's not, we're not the family that like sits around, does a reading every night, has a little board up somewhere in the house that we go pin things on and, you know, talk about the meaning of, of, of Christmas every day and nativity sets and all that. That's just not kind of our deal. So, um, you know, just little by little, we're doing stuff as a family talking about, uh, my, my mom gave us a, a nativity set this year. So we've talked a little bit about it and 
explaining, you know, what the, all of this is and why all the lights are out. And, um, so we're doing some of that stuff. We're, we're kind of, um, integrating, uh, different prayers and things, but it's all kind of random. What about you guys? Uh, Well, we have a, um, basically a, an advent calendar that you move the the thing every day to let you know what number of days remain uh-huh. you know but it nine times out of ten it just becomes a fist fight on who gets to move it so <laughs> um, that goes well yeah. and then but we also i've been doing um uh, not struggle is not the right word, but like I was thinking about what family devotions mean, uh-huh. you know. I mean, because that's well, we don't need to talk about sometimes the weirdness of some of that or whatever, but right. I've been thinking like, how what does it mean that uh, you know, 13 down to seven year old, like, and what what do you do? And I've been finding there's this there's this Bible meditation app that I found that I really like. And so we'll just spend, uh, there's either five or 10 minutes and it is the, it guides you through it through. It's almost like a, I guess, Lectio Divina, but not really. And then gives you space just to, to sit and quiet and reflect. And it's been good. And, um, I think we'll just kind of continue with that. Yeah. That's, that I was talking specifically about family stuff um, earlier, but personally, I, I've got a little, I've got several books that I always read during Advent. Um, and so little compilations that have got writers that I really love and appreciate. I've been trying to read more poetry this year, um, kind of at the, with the inspiration from uh, Sarah Kay. She's, she's kind of gotten me onto that train, which I really have appreciated. Um, and then just like trying to make myself slow down a little bit and just be a little bit more quiet and present and all that stuff. That's a, that's a practice I need always, not just during Advent, but I really wanted to kind of, um, lean into that more this year, um, with a lot going on and trying to make sense of things and have a clear clear antenna so to speak um but yeah i'm i don't know it's fun it's funny to experience all this with with zeke and explain things for the first time and chelsea the other night was reading him um a story of the feeding of the five thousand and i was in the other room cleaning and i heard i heard her read the like, and there were only five loaves and two fish and 5,000 people were fed. And Zeke, who is not like this kind of precocious, like uh Hallmark movie kind of a kid, he's definitely like every, every sentence of his has the word wiener, poop, or butt in it right now. So like that's the kind of kid he is. But when she said that, he goes, Mom, no way. That's impossible. (laughs) Really, really set her up, you know, for like, with God, all things are possible, Zeke. Uh, Which she, 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 
which she didn't say. Uh, but uh, anyway, so it's been it's been fun to have like a a first impression kind of thing to make on Zeke with all this stuff. Why we celebrate this and who Jesus is and yeah, it's 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 been fun. So tell me what you think of this. So every year, okay, you go into the Advent season and it is of course about you know the whole waiting and and everything that we talk about every year. And it and I was thinking it's easy to fall into that the rut of, right. of what that actually means because okay so we talk about patience waiting um and anticipation and joy and all these things but then we usually bring in the other side of it is like well you know but there's also suffering and um not everyone is is anticipating out of a place of of well-being and and everything and so it almost just becomes like how do you describe and talk about the the waiting like um is just simply a lesson in patience like um you're in a good place you're waiting for something better and so you better just learn to be patient and slow down or is it um uh, you know about long suffering about okay how long oh lord until this is gone and we enter into something better and i was thinking about how do you talk about the waiting this year and it's like it almost feels to me like it's it's a mother giving birth and the waiting is the time of labor like like there is something new and something better that is coming but the waiting is not detached from that but part of the actual thing that will give birth to the new thing that you are waiting for. Ooh, I like that a lot. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. So it's an act of it's an act of waiting. And so like when we when we jump to this reduced idea of second coming. And so like okay, so people anticipated the birth of the Messiah and now all, you know, now we just simply anticipate this second coming. I just I think it's a poor way to speak of it and instead i think that we need to do better at speaking about it in terms of active active waiting like actually suffering through and taking some some ownership and responsibility of what is occurring in the waiting because this birth this incarnation this newness desires to arrive and needs the help of those who are waiting and suffering through it. Yeah, waiting is not just like buying time until, or biding time, however you say that, until something comes and it's it's a totally separate thing. It, it no, no mother who finds out they're pregnant, well, very few mothers that find out they're pregnant continue living the lifestyle they were living previously. You know, they start taking their prenatal vitamins. They start... Uh, you know, they take alcohol out of their diet. They do all of these things in preparation for this thing that's coming. And m more than just the like, you know, those are just kind of surface simple things. But more than that, 
preparing and knowing that what's happening in the waiting is happening in them and they are a part like I, I i just think that that's a i think that's an important clarification of it being one process and not two separate things yeah and because the mother like there are moments when she probably feels powerless and unable to do it you know and so I imagine that at her strongest is when she is focused on her role in this birthing process. Yeah. Like if if it were just simply, you know, if it were just simply you or I that, and the doctor said, um, here, I'm going to continually drop on your toe until I will then, or a sport will bring you a baby. It, you know, it feels, it's, it's a pain very much detached from the arrival of the baby. And so it's useless. Yeah. Right. And so it would be very hard for us to just settle in and, and manage that. But, and again, obviously I'm not speaking for mothers, but I imagine that the mothers are at their strongest when they are most fully engaged with with the way in which their pain in that moment is producing new life. Well, and that's consistent with Scripture. I mean, that the Spirit is groaning in us with sighs too deep for words, and that the Spirit is groaning with the earth, as in labor pain, you know, trying to bring about this new thing. And so, yeah, joining in that labor and being caught up in that, we are part of a timeline that's moving towards something beautiful, toward healing, towards new birth, towards whatever. Um, and yeah, so we, we, we don't take it as some kind of arbitrary separate thing, but we join in the waiting knowing that like all collectively we're part of a birthing process that's happening. I think that's a beautiful picture. Yeah. And there's a tension between, so there's a tension between like just simply like, being present with and accepting what is right so never doing that in a way that stagnates what is trying to be birthed like for example no mother in the midst of the worst contractions would ever use the phrase new normal like right you know, it's it's not as though she would settle in and just simply accept that as as being the place in which she will forever reside. And so, like, and I know, like, currently, then I know, um, I, I'm not saying that everyone who uses that phrase is 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 doing this because it's just simply part of the you know, public vocabulary now or whatever, but it's like, to me, it reveals like this dangerous mentality of, of losing the ability to hear language of redemption. I think what you're saying is really important because if all we ever say is like, we, if we do it in like this masochistic way of like, 
we, we're just going to continue suffering or if we do it in some kind of fatalistic way, but, but kind of baptize it in Christian language and say, we're just resigning ourselves to this is never going to get better. This is, this is just what life is. Life is suffering, whatever. Um, but we never, we never hold the possibility of hope. We never are looking and anticipating and hoping for something better, some better and more beautiful future. And, and not just waiting for it, but working toward it. Then we just, it, we're useless. And, and I think that that's a real challenge for me because the easiest thing to do is just say, okay, just get used to what this new normal is and you eliminate every possibility for surprise. You eliminate the possibility of grace. You eliminate the need for hope. Uh, I just, yeah, I think that's an important point you made. You know, one of the, the things that Moses gave initial pushback to God for, like when, during his, his call to lead people down the path of liberation, uh-huh. it, one of his initial pushbacks, I don't get that. Uh, that I don't think gets spoken to enough is he says these people can't hear this. They're basically, they're not ready for this. And it's like, they're not in a place where they're able to even hear new language of liberation. And I imagine it's like, you know, they would have settled into this place of new normal. And, and, and he was right. And, and God didn't tell him he was wrong about that. And, and so I think part of this advent, this waiting, this is, is opening ourselves up to, to, to the things that we can actually incarnate, I guess would be the right way to say that is, is, you know, as, as God continues to to seek to be present in the world, it's it's like where have we turned deaf ears? Like where have we just simply accepted things as being less than ideal or part of a fallen world or any other phrase that that we so frivolous, frivolously or are so easy to uh, are so quick to just throw at as a way to um, detach our responsibility from, from the situation. Like, I don't know, maybe I, we just evaluate more and more. Where is it that incarnation is wanting to happen on a continual basis? Yeah. And and join in that work. I think that's, yeah, I think you're spot on right now. Yeah. So this past week was joy and that's the the theme for Advent for week three. And I've been reminded over and over again that, that that is a, a, a kind of radical theme right now because yes, we have to be able to point out the horror that's around us. We have to be able to give voice to that. We don't kind of flippantly or callously uh, pretend it's not there, but the more radical call for, at least for, for me and for folks at neighborhood and, you know, friends of mine is believing in the legitimacy of joy 
and the possibility of it and and wanting to live in that space as well. And I think that if you can't hold both of those things in tandem, it does provide this kind of bleak but maybe comfortable position. And I, I don't uh, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be a part of any group that's joyless. I don't want to be a part of any kind of ideology that doesn't that rejects uh, humor. I don't want to. Um, it's just not you know. I I am at my most fulfilled when there's the most potential for joy present, you know? Sure. Yeah. And I love the, so the text, uh, I can't remember, was it last week? Uh, the Isaiah 11 text that talks about, you know, the trees cut down and the, and the shoot was growing out um, representing hope and all of these things. The thing that I love about that, um, as you're talking about joy is it's so important that joy becomes part of the foundation that um you know this this new hopeful world is birthed out of because because that shoot will eventually look like the thing that it is rooted to right yeah i mean as it grows as it evolves um it will it will become a representation or not even the representation but it will grow into the thing that is feeding it the thing that it is rooted in and so like when we talk about a joyless um like whether a joyless waiting or a joyless revolution or whatever it's like well guess what's going to be on the other side of that um a, a joyless world that you have now given birth to and it's yes. so important to um that, that joy is part of the foundation. No, I think you're, I think that's exactly right. I think that's, uh, speaks to exactly what I, I was feeling and saying a minute ago. So, um, yeah, I hope that, I hope that folks will experience that, you know, even in the midst of hard things, um, not, not kind of rejecting hope as naive, not, uh, rejecting joy as not possible or whatever. Um, and that you'd get to experience that this year more than ever. So um, maybe I'll just pray for us. Yeah. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for becoming incarnate in Jesus. Thank you for joining us in our humanity. Pray, Lord, that as we wait and anticipate your coming again, like we do every year, sort of reenacting the waiting, in a year that's really hard, I pray that you'd open us up to the possibility of newness and potential and, um, yeah, that we would feel joy and light and the goodness of, of just simple being. And, uh, yeah, we love you. We're thankful for you. Pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.